Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. This time, we have another episode from our Composer Focus series from November 2018, as Sir Antonio Papano, Music Director of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden, guides us through the life and music of Gustav Mahler. Hello and welcome to this Barbican podcast with me, Edward Seckerson. Today, I'm joined by Antonio Papano, Music Director of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden. Our subject, Gustav Mahler. Tony Mahler always said his time would come, and indeed it did, and he's been big box office for many, many years now. But even as late as the 1960s, when people like Leonard Bernstein were advocating his music, um, the take-up was still quite slow. And uh, I wonder whether you think that was to do with simply exposure or fashion, because it, was, it is highly emotive music. Well, it's very interesting that uh, Leonard Bernstein had to push the hardest in Vienna, of all places, and with the Vienna Philharmonic. Um, they somehow, it took a while for that institution to claim Gustav Mahler as their own. I think some of it has to do with the almost embarrassing rawness of some, of some of the music, whereas somebody like Richard Strauss, the, the music is so, even at, at, at its most violent or most dramatic or most neurotic, still has an, an element of, it's more, shall we say, decadent, but but always elegant, always somehow linked to the traditions of Mozart. Mm. And Mahler is not. When he, when he is, he's parodying. Yeah, he takes, he takes all those Austro-German traditions to the nth degree, doesn't he? Exactly. He pushes them <clears throat> as far as he can push them. I, I think the, 
the um, exhaustion um, one feels after conducting and certainly playing some of the music is is something um, really that was new. I mean, uh, to say you're put through the ringer is 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 I mean that <laughs> surely an understatement. And it's only when you start to go to the extremes, whether it's the extreme of the pastoral lyrical qualities, extreme dreaminess, the extreme dark side of things, and not only going to the dark side, but probing that guy, you know, like putting your finger in a wound and keeping it there. And therefore the music in a certain way hurts and it's supposed to. And um, all this coinciding with the the developments of Freud, you know, Vienna's time, the, you know, where, why do we do what we do? Um, Nietzsche, Wagner, the expression of the hero, and and somehow autobiographical. Um, desires of composers like Mahler and Strauss to use themselves as the picture of the hero mm. um, and to torture themselves. one of the reasons why um, it's such subjective music yeah. um, you have to inhabit it in order to be able to perform it um, the annotations on the scores are so precise, he not only tells you what he wants but how he wants you to achieve it in well, a way this is one of the great conductors of our of any time um, one of the great opera conductors and the great theatre personalities you've got to remember that the conductors of that time especially the, the great conductors also would stage they would do the whole thing. Um, so every facet of, of the theatrical experience and of the storytelling experience was, was something that was a huge preoccupation um, in Mahler's life, not to mention his interests in anything literary and, um, and the crowd, he, the, the, the company he kept. You know, constant discussion, often... Uh, often polemic to the to the to the nth degree as everything in his life mm. and um, but this autobiographical thing the was was something that they understood at that time and Mahler more than anybody else that to pitch yourself against an obstacle was a fantastic storyline whether it was for opera or it was even better for symphony because it, it could all be in the imagination. The whole, I mean, there's almost a Don Quixote quality to, you know, it's, it's all in one's mind. But, but 
I mean, I mean, certainly Mahler had obstacles in his life, um, <coughs> work, his religion, his his marriage, his the death of his children, his condition, working at uh, his heart condition, his working at the the state opera, which I mean, is a job that <laughs> you know <laughs> nobody has survived, and um, and uh, but this this idea, I mean, and in the, the for instance, the sixth symphony. Strangely enough, written in a very happy period of, of, of his life, mm. just be, was married. He wrote it on holiday in Munich, <laughs> 1903, 1904. Premiered in 1906, but it is a um, it's a picture of him. This beginning, they they used to say he would he would charge in in rehearsals. This little guy, with big head, and and jump, jump, jump. And there's an, a, a, a nihilistic quality often to his writing. But what's most revealing um, in this symphony, um, and this is why I mention the sixth, is the fourth movement, which is definitely the hero battling it out with the forces of life mm. and society. And the hammer blows. And the, and the hammer blows, which he um, originally three, then Wagner, uh, Mahler got rid of the third one. fight between A minor and A major this it's like um, also this uh, the two voices in one's head the two powers that are pulling on a given individual it's psychologically although it sounds basic it's quite fascinating because if you have a genius who's thinking about this the, the what it brings out of him in terms of of where music is pulling him music has poles that that are pulling there's a magnetic force and this creates incredible conflict. And, and, but what I find fascinating is how Mahler, in this fourth movement of the Sixth Symphony, shows the fight that's in him. The, I will charge forward. I, I will be knocked down, but I will go forward. Mm -hmm. um, um, and Belief. The My belief goodness. in yeah. himself. And, that, okay, he loses the battle in the end. Strauss would never lose that battle. <laughs> of course, in Heldenleben, for instance, you know, there is a, a res resignation, yeah. but not a hammer blow yeah. that just fells him. And that's the difference of the two personalities. Mm -hmm. But it's very, very interesting um, that, uh, that we have... I, I, it's hard to speak about Mahler without Strauss there as a, as a counterweight. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't he famously come out of one of the early... Maybe the first performance, the sixth... Strauss, that is, and say to Marley, you know, boy, boy, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Something to along those lines, you know, in a very wry way. Yes. He was able to step back. Marley never could, no, could he? No. Um, as a Jew, he may not... There were all kinds of problems. He wasn't particularly religious in that sense. He was more of no. a pantheist, wasn't he? Yes. With nature and, um, and converted to Catholicism to get the job in, in Vienna. But the, the Jewishness is everywhere in his music. 
is it not? Particularly the parody and the irony. And yes, and you know what does that mean? Um, it the link to um, a past, the link to uh, folkloric or uh, to uh, to roots that are that are there. It doesn't matter how. Uh, educated you are, how intellectual, how uh, in, 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 how high um, the circles that you um, inhabit. When you hear it, you know, Even there, there's, even in that simple tune, there's minor, major, minor, ma weeping, tear, uh, smiling, tears, that, that back and forth of, of, which is a part of, of, of I mean, the Jewish suffering mm. um, through the ages and dis the, despite the suffering, mm. the, the um, somehow able to in the end be above it all mm -hmm. and, you know. when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
there is this balance between pathos and bathos all the time. Yeah. He can switch in, you know, turn on the sixpence. Yeah, know. and and you know what, and that music, when you when you if if you as a conductor, everybody knows how it goes. Somehow it's it's become now you know, obviously in the in the ear. It's a tradition, but you know if you undercook it because you're embarrassed by it. You're you're really doing the music a disservice. Mm. It, it is true that Mahler wrote everything in his scores, but there is also a it, it, you must approach his music with a tremendous heart mm. and tremendous sympathy um, and lack of inhibition as well and lack of inhibition. Um, I think if you know, the challenge for the conductor is to balance the rigor of much of the music with the total inhibition that is required in other moments. Mm -hmm. Now, <laughs> you know, uh, it, 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 it's hard. I mean, uh, it's hard, but a lot of conductors are great Mahler conductors. It's funny, there, um, uh, there are a lot more great Mahler conductors than there are great Verdi conductors. Uh, uh, for some reason, this um, in our modern era, we're able somehow to accept his neurosis, his extremes, um, uh, and therefore it's it, it, it's a language that somehow today we understand probably better than than ever. There are still those though who won't go to those extremes and don't take him at his word. Uh, I've encountered over the years on recordings, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it is that, as you say, um, that fear of overcooking it that can lead to that. But that's part and parcel of it. Yes. I, I, uh, look, I, I, I come from a southern Italian uh, background, and there are similarities. There's the melismatic singing that we share with the Hazan, with the cantorial... Uh, traditions, um, where it all came from, and how it's related to the Middle East, and you know, I mean, it's it's a very very strong thing. If you if you don't know what that is, or or you are not interested on where it comes from, I think you're mm. you're there's a whole dimension that you you're missing in 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 Mahler's music. Now here's a question. Um, you, you talked about his theatricality, the fact that he was a great opera conductor. Um, why didn't he write an opera? That's really a question that I've pondered. Uh, because, you know, he was surrounded by a great, great librettist. Maybe, 
maybe his his favorite librettist was Hoffman style, and since Strauss already had it, maybe, <laughs> maybe that was it. But I think you know, I, I think he was interested in n- not defining himself to that point specifically with words. Mm. Um, in uh, he does it. Uh, in, in certain symphonies, I've got to be careful how I say this because I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to contradict myself. I think Mahler is at probably often at his greatest when he's writing for the voice. But there are things that he's trying to express that are beyond their universal, uh, uh, deeply human issues, which can only be subjective to the listener. The minute you put words, I think you, you mm. narrow the level of uh, interpretation, the level of feeling, the level of uh, compassion, the, the, everything one uses to react to a piece of music. And he did say that, he would, that his symphonies are worlds, yeah. and they are. Yeah. They are worlds. So he's going beyond words. Yeah. Um, I think it's a relief that you... You do have words in, in some of his symphonies, in the second symphony, of course, in the fourth symphony, in the third symphony. You have Das Lied von der Erde. The eighth, of course, the which eighth. is as close as he got the second part of the eighth yes. to writing an opera, I guess. Which is, and fascinating it is, actually, the Faust story. I, I you know, fra- perhaps much more successful as a composition than the first part, which is, is full of pomp and circumstance, um, as it would be. Um, so I don't know why he didn't write an opera it could also have been simply a question of time (laughs) because you know he wrote during the summer holidays basically Um, but also I often thought Wagner you know he conducted a lot of Wagner and maybe he thought to himself this guy knows how to do this yeah. Maybe I'll never be able to match that. I don't know. We're yeah, well, the idea. Of, look, Wagner was his own librettist, yeah. and um, as we know, Mahler wrote, um, but uh, maybe he didn't have confidence in his in his libretto writing skills. Maybe he wasn't interested in myth, and when you're not interested in myth, then you've got to go to other subjects. And you know, he was surrounded by this world of opera uh, and. Maybe there was the sub, the right subject didn't appear to him. Mm. He would have been extremely fussy. Mm. Uh, um, he would have made Puccini, who was notoriously uh, fussy, he would have made him look like an omnivore or something, you know. Uh, um, so he probably didn't find the right universal subject. Finally, Tony, um, uh, why do you, th- what, what do you think draws people into this music? Is it the fact that um, they recognize themselves in it, that all those neuroses that we have in the modern age. It's interesting that it's become such big box office in the 20th, 20th, 21st century when he started in the 19th century. Well, don't take this in, in, in a wrong way. I mean, his music is very loud. Um, therefore, the visceral impact it often have, has is a spectacle in itself. And with our powerful orchestras uh, today, um, 
I mean, Mahler probably couldn't have imagined the noise coming out of our modern orchestras today. I mean, he would probably have been thrilled by it. This, coupled with, with you know, his Handelian ability to write adagios, which just tear your heart out, you know. And, um, combination is a winning combination from a purely show business point of view. Um, he's a great storyteller, and we can all make up the stories for for ourselves. The orchestras love to play this, so there's a certain re you feel the relish because the orchestras are being challenged. Um, uh, in the sixth, for instance, there's n there are not many difficult violin passages like in the other symphonies, but the amount of of bow pressure and bow, you know, I mean, how the instruments survive that. It's very exciting to watch and to listen. So, um, I think the extreme, extreme dynamics is something that's very, very interesting. You know, we're interested in, in turning the knob up to 11, you know, but he does the opposite too, you know. And I think uh, um, that it, it is, yes, it is a spectacle. And it's a psychological roller coaster that somehow we masochistically want to put ourselves through. and Edward Seckerson. Next time, Richard Tognetti, Artistic Director of the Trailblazing Australian Chamber Orchestra, joins us to discuss the one and only Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Look, none of us can imagine the sounds that Mozart put down from out of his head directly onto the score. And pen to paper, it was, he was copying out what he had in his mind. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nothing Concrete from the Barbican, here to help more people discover and love the arts. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review if possible to help us inspire more art lovers, old or new. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.